A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is part two of our beautiful chat with the superstar that is Dr. Raj. Doctor on ITV's This Morning star of Strictly, author, television doctor, all-round person who just makes the world a better place. If you haven't heard part one, head to the feed, click on that first, because I can highly recommend listening to this here podcast in order. One thing I wanted to ask you was about being a queer doctor in from when you started and to now is, what was that like when you started, for example? Is it, is it, an inclusive place or was it and uh i would say it's not inclusive enough absolutely mm-hmm. the things are changing much like everything else much like any other corporation or organization um when i first came out i couldn't tell my colleagues i was queer i couldn't really? um i i just never talked about it at all um and then i mean after a matter of time because i'd spoken about it publicly anyway you know people would have found out they didn't really care which is, mm. I think, I think that was the important part is when I realised people don't actually care. <laughs> they just want to know if you do your job well. They don't give a toss. Who, <laughs> yes. You know, who you might love or anything like that. Mm. Um, but it's definitely becoming, and healthcare in the UK is as fantastic as it is, has always, um, I think, underserved the LGBTQ plus community. And we are definitely getting better at that. Mm-hmm. We are talking about LGBTQ plus health so much more than we did. You know, there are there are so much more awareness and training for doctors. Um, so it's be- we're in a much better place than we were, but there's still a way to go. And even small gestures like you may have heard of the Rainbow NHS Badge Project, yes. which was set up by a colleague of mine, um, mm. Mike. Um, and I remember uh, raising some money for that right at the start because it, it was started at my hospital. Um, and I remember him messaging me and saying, I've got this idea. Like, would you be up for getting on board? And I was like, yeah, totally, Mike. <laughs> I'm up for it. So but smart. not really realising, not really realising the impact it might have. And it led, it was a conversation starter. That's what I think people didn't realise is that it, it signalled a sea of change and it made people talk about it. And I'm so proud that that's now been adopted across the board and when you say people do you mean uh like people in the consulting room or as in people out in the world both right both so you know people in hospital 
have shown their support for it. It's made them learn a bit more about LGBTQ plus issues. And it's also signaled to patients who may have previously felt uncomfortable, like they couldn't open up Mm. um, or feel safe. It's made them feel so much safer. We've got direct examples of young people, for instance, coming in and saying, I saw your badge and I immediately felt at ease that you were somebody that I could be me with. Yes. Um, but also the fact that we got it onto Holby for crying out loud. People oh, on Holby City were wearing rainbow badges. And That's great. so that conversation went outside the hospital. It went outside the NHS. Yeah. Um, but it, sometimes it's the simplest gestures, right? Yes. And one of the things that comes up a lot on this this era podcast is uh listeners struggling with chatting to the doctor and stuff so we were we were asking yeah. them some questions i'll give you some of the bits and okay. that they told us so very positively actually uh, we said as an lgbtq plus person have you had a good experience with your doctor and actually 71 percent of you listeners said yes you have uh yeah. 29% of you had no which even when we last spoke about this whenever that was that is a real improvement and obviously this is you know yeah it's still is... a third though that's still a third of people just under a third who don't have a good experience mm. and that's not good enough i don't think you're right there was me signing it off <laughs> <laughs> that seems fine i mean yeah i i don't know like i'm i'm about to become a parent all things going well mm. and i do mm. i do have trepidation about the fact that, that means i'm going to have to interact a lot more with the doctor um yes. and i feel a bit sort of like about it it's not based on anything other than it's just yeah. often those like municipal community spaces often you will have yeah. to explain yourself yeah. and you yeah. feel quite guilty with the doctor when you sit down with the doctor mm. on the nhs because you're like oh i'm taking up too much of their time and they're really busy and overworked and i need to just yeah. let them get on my- <laughs> but do you feel the trepidation because you feel like you're going to be judged weirdly in my personal situation I feel like they're then going to be like, hmm, I now need to ask a question. I don't know how to ask it and it's going to get awkward. That's weirdly where my head goes. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? In that moment, I think in any of those situations, any any queer person that might be listening to this who uh, who is parenting is... Remember that the person across the table from you is probably more terrified than you are (laughs) (laughs) and doesn't want to say the wrong thing and is there to learn. So, you know, and that's when I started thinking of it like that, immediately things become a lot more comfortable for Mm. me because I just think, do you know what? Teach me. Like, I I remember when I first um, encountered... Uh, same-sex parenting situations at work in hospital when I hadn't ever really seen it before. Um, And there is that sort of moment that, oh, moment, but then you're like, okay, fine. And then I thought, how's the best way I can react to this? And I was like, well, just smile and say, okay, so tell me about this, that and the other. Like, (laughs) Mm. if, If at any point I say the wrong word, please just correct me. We're all learning. We're all learning, even me. But are you... Are you as doctors taught that? Because you are an extremely, extremely, you're an extremely, (laughs) you know, emotionally intelligent, warm, lovely person who just is going to be good at that stuff. You know what I mean? And it's not (laughs) always the case. I've had my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, We didn't used to get taught that, but increasingly we are. Really? Okay. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that I think need to catch up. I'm not saying that. I think there are lots of examples of people who are doing this badly. 
Mm. And there's lots of reasons for that. They haven't got experience of the community. They don't know anyone that might be LGBTQ+. They might have other prejudices, which I don't think there's any space for prejudice in healthcare. And there shouldn't be. Um, mm. if, if you've got prejudice in healthcare, you need to do a different job. Mm. You're doing the wrong job. Um, you are seeing people at their most vulnerable, at their at their most honest and open. And to judge someone in that moment for whatever reason is the worst thing that you can do. Um, so sort your prejudices out and, you know, come back to me when you're, you know, a bit more nicer. <laughs> a and bit more nicer. What's a bit that? more nice. Hey, listen, <laughs> my grammar's all over the show tonight. Um, and we asked listeners, does your doctor know if you're LGBTQ+. And 52% of them said yes, 48% of them yeah. said no. Ah. Um, which I was really interested by, 50, actually. 50 Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone wears it as a badge, do they? I feel it's, no. as much as it's important to 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 be open about your identity, mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be worn as a badge. And, and actually, it, in my, I don't know, in my opinion, it should be irrespective of whether you identify as LGBTQ plus or not. Your health is your health. But the only time it becomes a factor is when your specific health need is directly related to your identity. Yes. Um, that's when it's really, really important. Yeah, because that was the thing that I feel that... So I don't think my current doctor, because I've only just recently moved, I don't think he knows I'm mm. gay. Yeah. I was listening to Gaga in the waiting room. But... If <laughs> But um, my, I, I don't feel like there is an unequivocal answer here. But like, it probably he probably should know from, and I think yeah. it's specifically for like trans people. If you, yes. you know, it, it's it's really important that there is some framework for yeah. them that doctors can understand. Yeah. Because if you're embarrassed to bring something up, then you don't say certain yeah. details. Yeah. Right? I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely, I think for specific specifically for when we're talking about trans people, is they are absolutely underserved and um people aren't aware enough and people don't they, they don't get the care and attention and support that they deserve mm. and it, it is important then for your practitioner to know i think so that they are able to for instance if you're ftm trans if you're fe female to male mm. you may still need cervical screening and things depending on what, what kind of surgery you may or may not have had mm. so you know there's still certain things that need to be paid attention to are doctors now trained and by the way i'm not asking you this as a spokesperson for the nhs uh, <laughs> i'm just interested like are doctors trained about trans patients uh not enough so it depends a medical curriculums at university are catching up mm -hmm. which is good and then you can you know you can go on training courses and if especially if you've got a specific interest and you're looking after a specific group of people that's really really important mm. um it is increasingly becoming a, 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 and there's lots of great people doing work to promote this and make it a routine thing, particularly, for instance, for general practitioners, for example, mm. um, who are often the front line, the first person you'll see when it comes to a health encounter. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the awareness and the training, training is getting better. It's not mm. completely 100%. And I don't, I won't sit here and say that you'll always be met by somebody who understands but please don't let one shitty experience put you off healthcare practitioners because, you know, most of us are not like that. Yes. Most of us are either where you are or trying to get there. Mm. Um, and that's the important thing to remember. What I'll say as well is that we'll put in the show notes for this episode 
other good resources for trans people yeah. around healthcare yes. and things because it is so complex and nuanced that the NHS, oh, yeah. you know, um, is not, you know, I know you'll pay your taxes, but it's not the only port of call. And there are amazing yeah. organisations yeah. doing things to help our yes. trans compadres. Oh, I meant to read you something at the very top. A lovely message from another doctor, Dr. Jack Lopez. Oh, okay. I don't know if Jack, Doc Jack Lopez is actually a doctor or is that's just their Instagram name. <laughs> Thanks for being a doctor. The NHS is amazing and we need to protect it. That was a little message to you from one of our listeners. Oh, thank you. That's nice. I am biased. <laughs> <laughs> I am biased. I do love the NHS and I, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it does a bloody good job considering that everyone keeps trying to screw it up. Yeah. And <laughs> one of our listeners, Anna, said, how would you, you've slightly covered this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, how would you like to see healthcare improved for LGBTQ plus patients? Oh, oh, that's a big question. I suppose it all, we've, we've touched on a lot of this already, um, making sure that training in LGBTQ plus uh, healthcare matters is universal. Mm-hmm. just as universal as you know female health matters are or men's health is or mental health should be you know make sure that's universal um make sure there are sp- services specifically geared to those communities when there are specific health needs in place for example mm. um healthcare for trans people you know then that needs to be vastly improved and is very specific mm. um and then i think the other big way that we could really improve is some of the attitudes that some people have you know there are still people working in healthcare who still have discriminatory views um sadly and i think that needs to be identified and that either needs to be rectified or that person needs to leave their job mm. i don't think that's okay that's any kind of ism when it comes to healthcare is not okay yeah. um sexism uh, ableism you know discrimination based on sexuality or anything like that or gender that that to me is not compatible with healthcare yeah and it's funny actually because chloe i'm keen to frame this as not giving the nhs a bashing i want to frame it as Mm. our listeners looking to share their challenges if that makes any sense yeah because the nhs is doing and i'm sure everyone who's written in agrees is doing the most amazing work but actually chloe who wrote in mentioned fat phobia actually and and that being something that was in the way of then addressing further problems And, and and is it is it true that there's always this colloquial thing that um a doctor someone told me once doctors are taught that like you wait for them the patient to say the thing as they get up out the chair and that's what they really came to see you about yeah it's called the door handle moment um oh yeah but often what happens is it's as they leave and they put their hand on the door to leave it's like can i just <laughs> just before i leave <laughs> can i do and often and often that's the most important thing that you wish they'd said at the start of the consultation yes um uh, that that's a recognised thing, but what, what, let, I think Chloe's brought up a really good point about fat phobia. So, the the problem with certain types of public health issues, for example, like overweight and obesity, is that we know that they can have health repercussions. But when it comes to big public health mes- messages, mm. we often simplify them mm. and reduce mm. them to very basic things, and the, and the nuance gets lost. So often, you know, it's all like fat is bad, thin is good, for instance. But then you totally forget that actually you can be heavier and still be healthy. 
Um, and health isn't all just determined by weight per se. And also you can be too thin mm-hmm. and unhealthy. So that nuance kind of gets lost. And I think sometimes people fall victim to that sort of simplified way of thinking. And I would hope we're moving on from that as well and kind of thinking in a bit more real life terms. And also the whole BMI body mass index thing. It, yeah. We need to move on from that, don't we? Don't we, Doctor? It's a blunt tool. Yeah. It's a blunt tool. You mm. know what? It's a blunt tool. We've probably given it too much weight. Oh, sorry. Excuse the pun. That was really bad. <laughs> um, BMI is a blunt tool. Yeah. BMI is not a perfect tool. But BMI is sometimes, and often in the vast majority of cases, a good trigger or guide. However, it is not perfect. Mm-hmm. And you've got to remember that you can't just apply it to everyone without thinking about it. And that's the problem. We need to start thinking about these things a bit more, thinking, is this relevant to the person I'm talking about? Or am I just, you know, applying a blanket tool to absolutely everything? Mm. And then therefore it just doesn't work. Well, this is it because the NHS is for everybody. So sometimes the means have to be for yes. everybody. And in that, it, yes, we lose. Yeah. And, and there is good research and evidence behind BMI and health outcomes. But it doesn't just apply to everybody. Right. <laughs> you can't just throw it out and say, this is therefore the truth for everyone. That's not how science mm. really works. Because I think it said I'm a beast. And I was like, oh, come on, a bit harsh. I know Christmas was a tough time for all of us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sam wanted to know, how do I initiate a conversation around PrEP with a doctor who has not been positive previously? Any tips? Interesting. So fortunately, there are lots of places that you can go. If you live in the UK Mm. and you're under the National Health Service here, each nation has its own slight rules. But fortunately, there are lots of places that you can go for PrEP if your primary health practitioner is not receptive to that idea or or it's uncomfortable or awkward. You You can go online. There's various clinics that will prescribe online. There are sexual health clinics that will... Because... It's available for free now in England. It's definitely available for free in Wales and Scotland, I'm pretty sure. But there's the rules vary ever so slightly different. So go. I would say first, if, if you're having a problem, go elsewhere because there might be other places that you can have far less of a hassle. Mm. Um, but then also, if if it's still an issue, remind. I mean, 
I hate to say go and get clued up, but remind them that this is standard practice in the NHS. <laughs> like, I like that. You're not going in there and asking for something that isn't routine now. Mm. You're not the only people having these conversations. There is set practice out there that people are doing. So just say, well, they're doing it. So could we please talk about this? Um, and sometimes accept that, oh, this might be interesting, that you may know more than them. <laughs> and some people don't like that and some people react quite defensively particularly doctors some doctors react very defensively to that sort of thing and it's just about a way of you know breaking that to them that actually like i heard this and i saw this yeah. oh, pretty brave i like it telling a doctor how it is i mean well maybe after know, a glass of wine we I can't would. and don't yeah we can't and don't know everything and some of us still need to be educated. How are we doing with parenting? Because yeah. someone wrote in saying, I went to a GP, re-lesbian fertility options. And the doctor said, I don't know, have you looked online? Which was frustrating for this person. That was three years ago. Then this person yeah. did their own research and found that they can have six rounds of IUI free. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, for example, like we, me and my husband couldn't have done surrogacy in the uk is yeah. do you think there'll be any progress for helping oh, these, this lesbian who has written in and you know this issue has come to light especially recently where there's a first of all when it comes to fertility treatment in the uk on the national health service it's a bit of a postcode lottery anyway right so different areas and health authorities provide different amounts of support mm. um in terms of how much you can get for free on how much you may have to pay. The other big issue that's been highlighted is that LGBTQ plus families are discriminated against systemically because mm. they may not qualify because the rules are so old that says you have to be in a heterosexual a male and female relationship or whatever mm. it was. So I think these kinds of problems are being brought to light and we are doing stuff about it. But as is always the case, it takes ages. Mm. It takes absolutely bloody ages to sort this stuff out. Um, it will get better. It will. It has to get better. It can't get worse. But I can't say how long that's going to take. But, you know, it, it, it should be equivocal across the board. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship you are in or um, what, you know, what your sexuality may be. It doesn't it shouldn't matter. Everyone should be treated exactly the same. I mean, we had um, a big change recently. For example, this is a, a parallel to what we're talking about. But the rules for blood donation, for example, in the UK yes, yeah. have only been brought into line a bit more with other groups and non-LGBTQ plus groups because eventually this you know the science shows that it doesn't matter necessarily what your sexuality is um that you, you know you should be able to and can donate blood just as much and sometimes it's even more important that you donate blood Absolutely. I feel like I cornered you at a drinks party there. You know, when people corner <laughs> doctors and go, hey, so, but I, okay, I... Tell me about this. No, but listen, I have to say thanks because, our, you know, it's so hard. Everyone who's written in, it's very hard to find places to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's something yeah. that comes up a lot with our listeners. So I really appreciate it. Um, may I ask you about your book? Sure, of course. From the horse's mouth. Tell me all about this book. So even though reading has been like a big part of my life since I was a kid it's only relatively recently that I've started writing books mm. and uh, I write for young people and I always thought that if I was ever going to do that because writing gives me anxiety 
Um, I thought I'm going to create something that people genuinely find useful and helpful and the kind of stuff that I wish I'd got when I was younger. Mm. So my most recent book is called Brain Power and it's a guide for sort of seven plus years old kids and young people. It's all about learning about how fascinating brains are, first of all, because they're pretty bloody cool. Yeah. And then also using that to discover how amazing you are, how your brain makes you you and how you can make it even better, mm-hmm. you know, even more awesome than you already might be. And it, and it shows how different people's brains may look similar, but sometimes work in different ways. So we touch a lot on neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how different people's minds think differently and how they that confers because we often look at neurodiversity traditionally and, and say, look at it on a negative way. But actually, often neurodiverse people have skills and strengths that the rest of us just don't have. And I think they're pretty damn awesome for that. Yeah. Um, some amazing people throughout history who have been neurodiverse and done incredible things. Um, I touch on how mental health is so important and mental well-being is so important and looking after your mind so there's all sorts of like fun facts in there there's exercises and tools that kids and young people can use to kind of exercise and build their brains up Mm. Um, and there's loads of tips and hints on looking after your mental health and well-being and why that's important and i want kids just to pick that up and read it and say do you know what i'm pretty bloody amazing (laughs) and 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 I love that. And I, and I, you know what? I may have been confused about who I am or what I want to do, but this has given me some ideas and this has reminded me that I'm pretty freaking awesome just as I am and I'm only going to get better. That's fab. I love it. And I love the idea of, <laughs> of being, you know, because I feel like uh, you, you and me are roughly the same age. Like, you know, we all learned about mental yeah. health about six weeks ago yeah. and then they were like oh christ i've got 40 <laughs> years of shit to unpack here but you know if yeah. you from seven if you were learning about anxiety and looking after your blah 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 you know it wouldn't that yeah. what a beautiful thing that you've done with that and it's not about pathologizing life because i think people assume that if you're going to teach kids about mental health they're all going to go crazy mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. nonsense I think if you teach kids about mental health and give them the tools to look after themselves, they grow up to be stronger. Mm. You're not breaking them, you're making them and you're building them up and you're giving them the tools they need to go out into this crappy world out there that often does horrible things to them and says horrible things about them. And you're giving them a shield of armor and saying, here you go, go out there. You're pretty fucking fantastic. Now knock them all dead. Honestly, you're you're making my stomach turn when you say that with... (laughs) <laughs> just I feel that so strongly because I even feel now yeah. when I talk to certain kinds of people about mental health they all get a bit like eye rolly and it's like why why do you think talking about it is going to make it worse you know what I mean it's it like doesn't. you've got to equip no. people and then it will go away which is what this fictional exactly. person I'm talking about wants it to do anyway <laughs> you know? absolutely and it's a similar thing about um relationship and sex education people thought mm. that if you talked about it kids would all start having sex no they don't that's they're a fascinating they're just, parallel. they're just much more prepared they're just much more prepared for when they're ready to do something like that they're not going to hopefully make any foolish decisions or make any as many mistakes as we may have done yeah. you know or end up in trouble or if they do end up in trouble they're going to know that it's okay to ask for help yes yeah let's empower kids and young people rather than you know talk down to them all the time or don't take them seriously talking about your mental health is this generation's mini skirt yeah <laughs> it is yeah. it's like it's oh your rebellion yes. it is isn't it it is because your parents are rolling their eyes and you're loving yeah. it yeah and actually t- 
talk simply talking about it is one of the most powerful and positive things and protective things that you can do mm. actually yeah there's so many parallels that's fascinating tell me when it's out february it's out on february i want to say the 16th mm, but i, I always to say forget. the 8th <laughs> i want to say the 8th <laughs> but it's out in february it's out in february it's out in february but more importantly listeners it's all about the pre-order so you can pre-order yes, it now absolutely right it's out in february you can pre-order it it's got wonderful wonderful insights from neurodiverse people in there which i'm hugely proud about so read if anything read their stories and learn from them and just for anyone who doesn't know tell me about the kind of what's the kind of neurodiverse is so it's anything that isn't neurotypical so um brains that work in different ways that's literally what it says on the tin neurodiverse so mm-hmm. it's people who are autistic it's people who are um are dyslexic people who have dyscalculia or mm-hmm. um people who may have adhd you know these aren't necessarily traditionally these have been seen as problems and now we're increasingly realizing that it's just a spectrum of normality mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know you can you can be autistic and perfectly functional like anybody else or do incredible things and be super functional um and I don't, I, 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 and then previously I, f- I feel like a lot of this stuff has got negative spins on it, but actually these people are amazing and it's all about uh, letting them identify their strengths and kind of run with those and, and not, not always about looking at the negatives mm. of, and, and saying that this is normal and this is not because it's actually all normal. It's just we're on different parts of the spectrum. I, I, f- I feel like um, there's a reframing of that conversation about neurodiversity and actually how a lot of people throughout history who have done amazing things are neurodiverse Mm. and that's why they've done it really you know it's it's similar to how being lgbtq plus is a superpower in my Mm. opinion totally you know um uh, being neurodiverse is sometimes a superpower and who are there any names that spring to mind people from history who are neurodiverse that i'm never Um, realized so, so put a couple of examples in the book, but um, Maggie Adderin Pocock is an amazing professor of space science and she's dyslexic. Wow. But she's an incredible communicator and incredibly intelligent and knowledgeable. Um, then there's people, I talk about the, the guy who invented Pokemon, the game. Oh. He's actually autistic. Really? And the reason he invented Pokemon is because he wanted to be an entomologist when he grew up. He wanted to work with insects. Mm-hmm. And that gave him the idea for Pokemon, which is possibly one of the most successful computer games on the planet. No way. Um, and, then, and, and then I talk about people, it's not just neurodiversity, but we talk about people with, for instance, brain injuries. So Rosie Jones, the famous comedian yes. who's got cerebral palsy, mm. who is incredible, so funny. Um, and brilliant and just an, an amazing person and she's queer she's queer isn't she yes her. yeah yeah she is so super powerful she's superpower squared <laughs> there are certain people who make being a good person a force for good they make it look easy dr range is one of those people i adore him we actually met at um the gay times awards got chatting that's how he ended up on the podcast. He just made it so simple. He's a wonderful person. And I hope that his answers to your questions were of use. You know, let's work to save our NHS so that we protect our NHS, I should say, so that we continue to have people like him coming up through the ranks. And I was very encouraged that there is progress. I know it's not perfect, that there is progress with how doctors are being taught around 
particularly trans people. And we will put in the show notes some good resources for trans people and medical services, because I think that is one of the most, I know there's many, but one of the most woefully underserved areas. And we're here to help. Listeners, get in touch, stay connected on Instagram at Homo Sapiens. Go to Facebook at Homo Sapiens Podcast. Next week, we've got a really exciting episode. It's Time to Talk Day, which is all about mental health. So we are going to talk to the wonderful Jordan Stevens. Jordan is one half of Rizzle Kicks, who blazed onto the scene back when I was a music video director, in fact. And Jordan had this incredible kind of renaissance where he started talking about mental health and writing these beautiful notes on his Instagram. And he's such a cool, interesting person who is radically honest and he sort of got there by being radically honest about his mental health. And he set up this whole thing called I Am Whole, which is a beautiful mental health, um, it's a mental health charity, I suppose. And he's done amazing work and he is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So I'm really excited to be chatting to him for Time to Talk Day. Please stay in touch, email your comments, questions and those agony uncles to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Don't forget to buy your tickets to the live show. The link is in the bio if you'd like to come on down. We would be so delighted to see you listeners. Lots of love. Bye now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.